from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. You throw a gif on there? Oh, if I throw a gif? Like, that means something. I love bears doing human things. Right. I don't like bears being bears. Right. We're not going to do handwritten notes. God, no. Jesus. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company back for the 5 o'clock hour. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota studios. Adam Hill, I think, is there. Candy is on board as well. Cofield here in Dallas. We're all over the place. we got a full crew today. Lots to get to in the 5 o'clock hours. The uh, college football world is crazy right now. We just had the CFP rankings announced. we got big-time job openings. Uh, big-time jobs have those openings because they were shocked that uh, other schools came in and poached their coaches. So crazy stuff going on. Right now, and of course, a Raiders update coming up in just a couple minutes. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Most of the time, I don't know where I am. I don't know where Adam <laughs> Hill is. I'm pretty sure I uh, have uh, some idea of where Adam Candy is. I just remembered I'm in Dallas. I further remembered that Adam Hill was just here as I was asking for advice on food options in Dallas, and you were just here a couple days ago. I was. So I, I might be able to help you out with this. Um, first of all, there's a place called Pecan Lodge. I think it's somewhat famous. Uh, I've been there a couple times. Absolutely amazing, but you probably can't make it tonight. I think they close right when the show is ending, uh, yeah. so that's not very helpful. Um, there's another place. Uh, if, are you staying close to SMU? I have no idea where I am right now. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. This is one of those trips I actually didn't map ahead of time, so I'm sure we're pretty close, yes. Okay. Well, it might be the wrong side of town, but you, know, you can you can head over there. It's not that far. Um, there was a – we wanted to go to Pecan Lodge. Traffic was too bad. We weren't going to go. So we found a place that is open till 10. That's good for you. Nice. Uh, it had, like, the third best reviews of barbecue in all of Dallas. Hello. Um, behind Pecan Lodge, which was, I think, number two or one. But it was close to the hotel. It's like, all right, we're, we're going to head over here. So we go, we walk in. It is a one of those old like dumps, like four tables, kind of old, rundown. Really? Um, and I was like, they probably have really good barbecue here because if it has that good reviews and the place is kind of a dump, got to be great, right? <laughs> so the guy goes, you guys want to sit inside or outside? It's a little chilly. So like, I guess inside. I mean, it's, you know, whatever right here. What's there, like a picnic table outside? It's, it's fine. So we sit inside, we eat. Really good barbecue, solid, great place, great. I can see what's coming. As we leave, there's like a lot of noise coming from the back, the like the back of the place. Sure. Because we're the only people in there. Yeah. The only people sitting in this place, place. Must suck. No one goes there. We walk around the backside. It is a party. There is <laughs> hundreds of people, PVs everywhere. There's a Ferris wheel. Oh like, what is this? And just everybody having a good time after our miserable indoor experience. First of all, that's the person's fault, right? You don't just say indoors or outdoors. You're right, like, right, right. hey, by the way, sit outside, idiots. By the way, this is dynamite because I think I know what you're talking about because I just looked at, I was looking at places close to me and I saw a place that was open till 10 and I'm like, well, this is kind of a stupid name. I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work. Is it Ferris Wheelers? Of course it is, yes. Yeah. Ferris Wheelers. Dude. But now it comes highly recommended. All right. It's it's really good. But sit outside, for God's sakes. Well, we know that now. They uh, they do have liquor there, right? 
Uh, dude, great beer selection. Fantastic. Right. And a full bar. Candy, you, uh, you're the king of uh, advice when I go on the road. You're actually very good at this as well. Have you been to Dallas? I've ridden the Ferris wheel. No, I'm kidding. I've actually never <laughs> ridden the place before. That's um, no, because when, when we used to when we used to travel with you and LV, we yes. were playing TCU, so we always stayed in Fort Worth. So I have uh, nothing for Dallas. You go. You want to go over to Fort Worth? I got you covered. But Dallas, I got nothing for you. All right. Well, it sounds like Ferris Wheelers is the choice. So good advice there from Adam. Number four. All right. How crazy is this college football carousel? Um, I'll get your reaction first, Candy. What was more shocking, Brian Kelly turning his back on Notre Dame or Lincoln Riley doing the same to Oklahoma? Oh, it's it's Kelly for me, and it's not all that close. Really? Lincoln Riley doesn't want to deal with the SEC. Okay, I get it. I get it. You were the big man on campus in the Big 12. They offered you the sun, moon, and the stars to go out to L.A. I'd do it, too. But Brian Kelly, I mean, you're bulletproof at Notre Dame. You're untouchable. Because yeah. you finally got them back to where they think they are. It's the it's a school that's always thought that that's what the football program is, and they got there again, and they stayed there. And now you go down to LSU, where a national championship a couple of years ago, of course, Ed had some off-field problems as well, but a national championship wasn't enough to save him from that. So if Ed O can't make it after winning a national championship, then Brian Kelly leaving the cradle of Notre Dame to go to LSU did kind of stun me. Hill? Yeah, I mean, I think the Lincoln-Riley thing makes a lot of sense. The only, the only thing that's not surprising is that he didn't wait for an NFL job because I thought that's what he wanted. But if you want to stay in college football, this makes all the sense in the world. Like, you're not a fit anymore conference-wise. Like, so out of the South. Um, USC is is a, pr- a premier job that's paying you a lot of – by the way, his incentives – not even incentives, I guess benefits in his contract – Good lord! Like, how could you not take that job if you're if you're going to stay in college football? Uh, it just it was too it was too juicy of a contract and too um, appealing of a job to not take it. So all that makes sense. Yeah, I think the the Brian Kelly one is it's weird. I mean, obviously the money is there and he wants the challenge. He's clearly an arrogant jerk. Uh, also, like I love because we all suspected and kind of thought Brian Kelly was an awful person. Great to see all this stuff coming out now uh, of people like just running to to pile on and trash him. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that was the more surprising one uh, in that in that regard. And I think it's the I one think, that's going by the to. Way, I think it's funny that Adam is getting a kick out of Brian Kelly being called an awful person. You would hire him, though, as your football coach, right? Isn't this what you've asked for? Don't you think all that other stuff is nonsense? Just win to be a to be. A, oh, being a jerk. Yeah. No, because it's it's. It's people that are important, right? Like, I, I think when I talk about, like, the nonsense, like, I, we talked about this with, you know. Uh, you are so you are so going to get yourself in hot water here. It's people what? that are important, but I, what are you saying? So if it's the secretary or the freaking walk-on player, you know what, up theirs. No, I was going to say me, right? It, it was the example I used of me where, you know, I've, I've the first time I've met so many different coaches in the past – they were like, oh, hey, you know, like, they're cool, like, very welcoming and accommodating and like, oh, very nice to meet you. Okay, cool. And when I met a certain former Rebel football coach, I've said, I think I've told the story, so I'll just say, when I met Bobby Houck, he was kind of a jerk. And I was like, yeah, I like that because people witnessed it happen and they were like, wow, that was kind of rude. And I was like, no, 
Why would he waste time talking to me and being nice to me? I'm irrelevant. It doesn't matter. You have to focus on recruiting and winning. Don't be nice to people that don't matter. Like, but in 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 Brian Kelly's case, it's his assistant coaches and the players. Like, yeah. those are people that matter. So that's a that's a completely different scenario. Number three. How excited are you, Adam Hill, that your Warriors are in this game against the Suns? Yeah. D- Dub Nation. I'm more excited about the uh, – I-, I mentioned earlier, I think you were, before you were here, but the Clay Thompson game winner at the scrimmage. Do you see that? What are you – are you you're watching practices now? Yeah. It was it, the, He played a scrimmage. He hit the game winner at the buzzer. A three, walked it up the court, drained the three in sweatpants. What a sight. This team <laughs> – this team's really coming together. Listen, we were at the bottom of the world. Nobody nobody expected anything of us. We were the worst team in basketball two years ago. All of a sudden, the favorites to win the title. Got the MVP on the floor. This was such a great rebuilding job. I'm so impressed with my Warriors. It's amazing. I, I, I'm, I, I, too... I, too, am impressed by the job that Bob Myers did doing the uh, Mr. Miyagi warm the hands and put it on to the legs of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Really, very impressive job rebuilding the team with that uh, Eastern medicine. Hey, we from the doldrums, we've been through some tough times as Warriors fans, and I had to watch oh some, you know, what some would call bad basketball. I loved it. I love the past animal days. Those were that was when this team was really building and starting to show the character that we're seeing on the floor now. And these new guys, these mercenaries we brought in, like I love them. They weren't there for the for the dark days. Candy, if uh, Hill is really a Warriors fan, do you think you should speak a little more about Steph Curry? Maybe he's a little underappreciated. That's what I just referred to as a mercenary. We, we, I mean, yeah. we brought this guy in. Um, yeah, he's. I mean, he's not really one of us though. Uh, we just had to bring him in to to win some games. He wasn't. So, he wasn't there for the dark days. So to be one of us, do do you have to have been there for for the run TMC days? Like, do, no. do you have to have do you have to have felt the flop sweat from Mitch Richmond in the front row uh, back at no. uh, at Oracle? Well, I'm no? talking about the dark days of the first year at the Chase Center. Ah, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, that yeah. was that was hard. I, I'm sorry, I dug, I dug way too uh, way too far back. As, there. as yeah, you, you're not you're not on you're not with uh, me enough on the show. But that I mean that's when I was living in the Bay Area and really adopted this ragtag yeah. group. And I right. I didn't know that they were sure. going to bounce back this quickly. I'm excited to see it. But you know they, we were there for the dark days. Thank you and thank you for uh, thank yeah. you for driving my part time status through my heart uh, just just a little <laughs> bit here, and making sure I know that I am the inferior member uh, of here, the company. Actually, wait, me. let me actually hold on. Let, let, let me start. Let me make clear. Ari's always the inferior member of the company, but of I'm I'm close. Of um, I don't know, dude. That that mercenary that you mentioned. <laughs> d- d- let me ask you, as as a Warriors fan for life, you think we appreciate the way Steph has revolutionized the NBA? Like when I go and ref AAU tournaments, when I see kids who try to like dribble six times between their legs and just take like that three quarter shot from about thirty five feet. I realized that, like, the same way a generation of kids tried to jump from the free throw line like MJ, <laughs> like, all of these kids think that they can be Steph Curry now. And it's just mind-boggling to me to, to think that that I'm not sure that I'm not sure that we even really appreciate the fact that for as much as LeBron has been a monster, uh, I mean, Steph's kind of been that guy just in a much smaller package. Yeah, I mean, I think... The problem with him, and I think a lot of people do appreciate it because it's just so 
ridiculous and amazing what he does, but I think the problem is that he does so many ridiculously amazing things that look way too easy. And, and I think that's part of the issue with him is that, like, he, not only, like, there's been great shooters before, but his ball handling and his ability to create space to take those shots, uh, his ability to run all day off screens and just move without the ball to get himself open to take those shots, uh, and then to, you know, with some some physical disadvantages to play you know solid defense at times the way he does uh, is impressive. But just what he's able to do on the offensive end, both with the ball and without it, and be a great passer, um, but he just makes it look a little bit too easy. And I think that is part of the downfall in terms of legacy. But I think as, in an overall picture, I, I think people have to realize like what he has done to change the game. Number two. UNLV gets some honors in the uh, All-Mountain West Conference uh, football announcement. Charles Williams, no surprise, makes the first team as a running back. And Cameron Friel is the freshman of the year. Second straight for UNLV on the offensive side of the ball as Kyle Williams won a year ago. What do you think, Candy? Does that make people, uh, people feel better about the fact that the season didn't produce as many wins as possibly it could have? You got to sell something. Right, you got to sell the future. You got to sell hope. I mean, it's been the stock and trade of selling UNLV football for 30 years to sell the future. But when you have the freshman of the year at that position, when we spent the entire season trying to figure out is there a quarterback anywhere in the ranks here that we might be able to trust because we couldn't even finish a full game with a quarterback. I guess it's great that you have the freshman of the year to sell. The question, of course, for you, Steve Cofield, is. Will the freshman of the year be the starting quarterback next year? That's what I was, I was actually going to throw it at Adam Hill. Will uh, the freshman of the year be the starting quarterback? Because uh, Doug Brumfield certainly can challenge him. And another question I have is, should they actually bring in a more experienced quarterback to challenge both of them? Well, I was going to say, and not you know, not to you know read into what anybody could do or what their thought process might be, but like, will they both be starting quarterback somewhere next year? One at UNLV, one somewhere else. Well, could could both leave? Will one stay, one go? Uh, Marcus Arroyo actually made some interesting comments yesterday because I was asking about the press conference uh, about the transfer portal because uh, he was talking about recruiting quarterbacks to add to the quarterback room. And I, I asked, are you going to bring in a potential number one? And he said, uh, well, it could be a one-two, but it would really have to be someone who was basically a slam dunk. Like, we, we can't turn him down. So I, mean, I, I think they would be open to bringing in someone to challenge for the number one slot. So the storyline is set up nicely here. You just have the freshman of the year in Cameron Friel. Brumfield's going to challenge him, and you may even bring in another challenger. Adam? Uh, oh. Also, we uh, we did just see, I don't know if you saw it, that a, a pretty prominent quarterback in the Mountain West just entered the portal. Okay. Who's J- that? Jake Hayner. Really? Yeah. So I wonder if he's going to head to Washington and follow Kalen DeBoer. Possibly. Back to Washington, because he was at Washington. Right. be interesting. Wouldn't that be amazing? All right, top story. Number one. So we moved a little uh, ahead before I wanted to there on the Notre Dame situation. Who is going to be the next Notre Dame coach? What would you do? Is it Fickle? Uh, Apparently Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator, had job offers everywhere just to, you know, be the D.C., is it a wild card like Pat Narduzzi? Um, could Notre Dame just kind of screw around with all the college football and offer Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney $23 million a year 
Like, I don't even know where this ends and why it should end. I love what USC and what LSU did. Why shouldn't Notre Dame do it to everyone else? At least try. I think they will. I mean, I think Fickle's probably the the top of the list at the moment. Um, but why not make a run? Why not make a run at Tabo? I'm sure they'll talk to everyone. Listen, Good. I like I, I don't think I'm alone in this. Like, do we really believe Urban Meyer is not interested? No, not at all. No, I would. I'd talk to Urban Meyer as well. Of course. Like, I, I mean, I, I mean, why not replace one awful person with another? Like, that seems to be what they want to do there. Like, go ahead and do it. But I don't think there's anybody off the table. What do you think, Andy? Is that kind of absurd to even? Are you wasting your time going after Dabo Sweeney or Urban Meyer? Hold on, wait. I just thought of one before you answer, Adam. Yeah. John Gruden. I mean, I, I tweeted that out yesterday. Cofield's ahead of you on that one. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. I, I, I named that yesterday. I was like, uh, hey, what does it matter, right? There's There there are no ethics and other, there are no standards. So go on a little redemption tour. He's always talked about that being his dream job. Didn't he wake up in the morning to the Notre Dame fight song? Call <laughs> yes. John Gruden. Yeah. That is the most John Gruden thing that I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot of John Gruden things. Um, so... Look, the Lincoln Riley situation shows you that every time you think to yourself, I don't know, is that too much? Should we even try that? Well, Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma to go to the wreckage of Clay Helton because they offered him $100 million a year, or $100 million, and the damn private jet anytime he wants it. I want to go to LA and have a private jet. 364-1100, 364-1100. 364-1100, We got our after party crazy horse three after the Raiders game on Sunday. It goes from four to seven. I'll be hosting it with Fox Sports Radio. We've got VIP tables. You get a uh, table. You get entry for your friends and also a bucket. 364-1100. Caller six and seven. Party with us after the Raiders on the football team play right across the street. It's the closest place to party. It's Crazy Horse three gentlemen's club. Caller six and seven. 364-1100. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Pre-step drop looking, he's hit, he's found by Jacoby Winman, creamed him at the 34-yard line, and it's fourth down. You're listening to Cofield and Company. On ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield, Candy, Hill, Ari's here as well. We're going to talk uh, some Notre Dame football, some college football, some AFC West as well. Ryan Harris, former offensive lineman in the National Football League, up in about five minutes. So I'll uh, I'll ask you guys, you hear the highlight there, Russ Langer, UNLV football, Jacoby Winman. What was your reaction, Adam Hill, to Winman leaving? And do you, do you think it's the beginning of – you know, five, six, seven more significant players, you know, ones and twos leaving the program. I mean, I hope not, but it's it's called sports. It's the nature of it. We know what happened in the basketball. Um, not here, but I mean, it, it it happened here, but I'm saying where it happened all over the country uh, this past year, and it, it happens in football as well. So it's very possible. I mean, it's it's that that thing, like I'm all for players having their, their, their options and having their rights to move around and um, and go where they want to go and, and have free movement, and I'm, I'm all for it. But then you look at a program like UNLV, and you're like, ah, it's just it is frustrating when you when you watch and see they're making progress and they're making strides and try to really build something. And you know, you know, a couple of those guys that are a big part of that could move on and go somewhere else. And um, it's it's the other side of the coin. Like you you get the frustration of it, but the trade off of the players having their rights and doing what they want to do, I think, is much more important. 
the players still aren't paid, right? Like to me, that's what it all comes back to in the end here, that the few benefits the players have now include name, image, and likeness payment if they become big enough or the freedom to go to another program. And they need to be able to exercise that. And I think it's almost like professional sports now where if a player at a UNLV becomes a big time star, you know that a bigger program is coming for that player. There's no way around it. And and that's the, the reality for Marcus Arroyo and his staff is that they're going to be in the same market that those other teams are, right? They might be losing a Jacoby women. They might lose a quarterback. They're going to be out there trying to pluck the best from FCS, trying to pluck yeah. the best from other group of five programs. This is just the way of the world now. I think they're also going to look to Power 5 programs, and most of the staff coached at Power 5, so they're going to look for guys who maybe are dissatisfied or not playing. And, and you know, there were some other weird cases, like Connor Murphy didn't finish out the season, but, uh, you know, they were able to find Kylan Wilborn, who bounced around after, you know, a short career at Arizona. So they're going to look upwards and laterally and down. And I can tell you from talking to people that they fully expect to have seven, eight, nine, ten players go in the transfer portal. And they're ready for it. You know, they've got their feelers out there. Uh, Winman, on his own Twitter account, said that uh, K-State offered him uh, Western Kentucky, Tulane, Liberty, Florida Atlantic, Indiana, UTSA have all offered him. And I think he'll get – my guess is he'll get a couple offers that are even better than those. Now, it depends on where he wants to go. If he really wants to go close to home, he's from New Orleans. What would I do? If you – you know, if you trust being home, then I would go to Tulane. But I also look at things as a 51-year-old, not as a – as a you know 20 year old right trying to get to the nfl i look at the best degree possible so of all those schools named you know tulane indiana is a very good school but i know that's not the way kids look at things coming up ryan harris notre dame uh color voice also a part of that broncos family as we'll get into the afc west and also see if he wants to pile on to the <laughs> just the dislike that chip or i almost called him chip kelly uh brian kelly yeah, not, not the, probably not that far off on that one that Brian Kelly has gotten the last day or so. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. It ain't as sexy to the eyes and ears, but Brian Kelly has won. He plays a physical brand of football that I like up front. And I think this move is about consistency as opposed to a splash. His resume speaks for itself, and I like it. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Former Cowboy, uh, dude at LSU, Marcus Spears, says he likes the hire of Brian Kelly. I'm not so sure everyone right now at Notre Dame likes that Brian Kelly left. Brian Harris is on the games. He went there. He's part of the Broncos family, former uh, NFL player. How are you, my friend? Doing good. Thanks for having me, Scott, Adam, and Adam. (laughs) All right, well, let's get into this right off the bat. Are you one of those who wants to pile on Brian Kelly as uh, many other people are doing, saying he's kind of a crumb of a human being. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I love Notre Dame, played there, and then as the color analyst, I've gotten to know Coach Kelly. And, you know, I think everything coming out last night is just indicative of where we're at as a society regarding information. You know, there's nothing held to the morning anymore, right? I mean, people drink coffee at night. So um, I think it's just, I think it was unfortunate for the players how it came out. I think Coach Kelly would tell you that as well. 
And at the same time, I think it's good for a change. Um, you know, you're not going to hear that a lot, but Coach Kelly, I think, did what he could at Notre Dame. Five consecutive seasons of double-digit wins. He got to a national championship, been in two college football playoffs. So the resume is there, uh, and, and they can't ever take away from him the time as he's the winningest coach of all, uh, all time at Notre Dame. And he's had over 59 draft picks while he was at Notre Dame. So I'm, I'm sure people are emotional, um, but I'm happy for Coach Kelly that he made a decision that, that he wanted to, to make. So where does Notre Dame go from here, and how good of a job is this still? Come on, man. Is this still? You better talk to God about Notre Dame. Get out of here. Number one, uh, it's a phenomenal job. Number two, you got a couple directions. You know, one, they have Marcus Freeman, defensive coordinator, who was the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati last year, came to Notre Dame this year, and really did a great job on the recruiting trail for the incoming class. Uh, So that's one option. I really like, uh, you know, and I was asked by some people, uh, at Notre Dame, and I told him, you know, I would give a call to Andy Heck, offensive line coach at the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a brilliant offensive mind. He's been a part of the Chiefs organization for almost 10 years, had won a, won a Super Bowl with them, uh, been to two, and that's a guy I would bring in because you could keep Marcus Freeman as a D coordinator and bring in a brilliant offensive mind with a nice splash. And I'd also call Urban Meyer and say, hey, are you sure you want to stay in, co- in the pros uh, and, and make him say no? I, I, full disclosure, Ryan, I'm a Michigan guy, so, uh, you know, have to oh, take a little shot. Congrats on your first win in a decade, Stop man. It. That's cool. A lot of work left to do. A lot of work left to do. Um, Go Hawkeyes. Would, <laughs> would, I, I like your direction there. I like just finding a guy that can just flat out coach and hiring him and a smart guy. I mean, will, not that the, not that the fan base gets to decide, but will that, how would that go over if it's not some massive name? Well, I mean, listen, Notre Dame fans aren't going to stop being Notre Dame fans because <laughs> of a coach, right? I mean, it doesn't matter who they get. And uh, we're a believing lot, the Notre Dame faithful. So, you know, whoever they choose, you know, the full force of, of prayer and, and of the players on the, on the team are going to be behind them. So, you know, I think it's just so sudden. I think people are really shocked. I, everyone would agree. I'm sure Coach Kelly himself horrible timing i mean the college football playoff how do you send a team without a head coach to the playoff you know i mean that's something they've never had to think about before um and it also just paints a a a bigger question mark as to why you would leave when you have a chance to win a national championship i just it's it's a it's an interesting question i think people just want answers and whoever that new head coach is going to be that's an answer for the Notre Dame faithful so ryan that brings me back to what i was saying about this earlier which is that i'm not saying any college football coach is ultimately bulletproof if things go south but brian kelly was pretty damn close to that at notre dame with what he had done to bring the program back to the heights it had been at previously it doesn't feel to me like he's going to have that same level of invincibility going to lsu well i mean you got 95 million dollars worth of invincibility (laughs) right i mean it's personal invincibility uh, there you go yeah yeah but i mean uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting to think about making that change and going to LSU, um, but I don't I, I don't see you know I don't know what the ex- expectation is at LSU. I do know that Ed Ogeron wasn't fired because he lost, which gives you an indication of what they're willing to put up with. You know, um, he's he got fired for the half naked photos in bed with ladies, so it, it, it's a different environment, and it's a and you know I'm sure they'll have plenty of money for building and thing like that. I mean. I've never been down to, you know, Baton Rouge or Bilabatry, Alabama, or wherever it is that 
Ricky Bobby's from and the LSU <laughs> Tigers play, but uh, but it's you know it's going to be the SEC, and he's going to have an opportunity to, for a challenge, and, and I believe that's the number one thing people are overlooking. Yes, Coach Kelly has had five straight double-digit win seasons, but I mean, where's the challenge for him now? I mean, if you're at the top of your of your career, where's the challenge? And we saw Tom Brady do something similar just two years ago, and everybody applauded that move. So. It's interesting to see similar moves and decisions made and different reactions, but I think Coach Kelly is welcoming the challenge of building another program and competing for a national championship. I mean, it just it just kind of hit me uh, when you talked about that. Like, does Brian Kelly play in Louisiana? <laughs> Man, I, I love that you asked that question because I, I've said to people all day, like, I – I, I mean, I love Marcus Spears. I know him. I know him well. I have friends from LSU. Um, and I'll tell you, that's a different crew to talk to, man, <laughs> especially when they're in their element. So I hope Coach Kelly, uh, you know, goes for a couple of fish eatings and things like that. But that's a whole <laughs> nother world uh, down at LSU. And when, it's not just the, the jambalaya and the gumbo. It's, I mean, it's everything. So, um, you know, he'll have to figure it out. But, again, that's a challenge that I think everyone's overlooking that he wanted a challenge. Just in general, these these last couple of days with these contracts that are being just thrown around, it's insane. I mean, not only the money. I mean, I was reading through uh, some of the some of the benefits uh, that Lincoln Riley got at USC. I mean, it's, it's insane yeah. how much is going on right now in that world. Uh, what what do you make of just the the general state of college athletics and the way that you know some of these coaches are being hired for, for these insane contracts? Well, I think it's insane. You can't pay the players. You're telling yeah. me you can pay a million dollars over asking price for two homes, but you can't pay a <laughs> roster of eighty five kids ten thousand dollars. I mean, what are we doing here? You know what I'm saying? Like, sh- just stop it. So uh, you know, that's my biggest thing. Is it's just so apparent that when a university wants to do something. There are mountains that will move, and those mountains are stacked full of cash. Um, but it's insane to think that you're seeing now $9.5, million, $10 million per year coaches in college. I mean, that's, that's insane because, as you saw with Lincoln Riley, and I'm sure Brian Kelly has the same deal in LSU, full use of the private jet 24-7, that's a minimum 15 k per, <laughs> per leg, right? And he can send his family on it. He doesn't have to be on it. They bought him a $6 million house. Uh, um, when when Lincoln Riley went to L.A., I mean, that's insane. So you're talking about massive amounts of money putting out, which also tells you these schools understand how much money is being made in these championships. I mean, forget Tua Tagovailoa's jersey. I guarantee you Alabama had a $5,000 per plate dinner or, or pregame buffet that you could go to and then stand on the sidelines. And I'm sure the next year it was 10000 And I'm sure they had a waiting list both years. So... The continued giving from the alumni really triggers the ability for universities to spend like this and to the point where they look at it as an investment. Former Notre Dame, Fighting Irish, former Bronco, Ryan Harris on the radio in Denver joining us here on Cofield & Company. You brought up the name that I think most people naturally associate with the job before anyone else with Urban Meyer. Uh, Why not? Why wouldn't Urban Meyer make the move? Uh, why wouldn't what we oh. heard today about Urban Meyer j- saying, I'm staying in Jacksonville, just be a negotiating ploy? <laughs> well, because we've seen it before, right? I mean, isn't that exactly what uh, Nick Saban said before he left that next day for uh, to come back to Alabama? I mean, I think that coaches have to say that. Um, I don't know why um, my, you know Coach Meyer would stay at Jacksonville. 
that's not a program that's built to win, and he's not going to be able to do it. I don't believe in the AFC South, especially when you got Carson Wentz playing like he is. I mean, that's that's an amazing, amazing um, division overlooked by many. And oh, by the way, Derrick Henry's still number two in the NFL in rushing. So, I mean, it's it's incredible to think of that division, and if he can't see the writing on the wall. You can be fired in two years. You can go to a job that, you know, all reports I've heard from people who were there that they literally had him on the getting ready to get on the jet to come to Notre Dame uh, before hiring one, another coach, and he ended up not getting on because he wanted two players. He wanted no matter what, every year, the university to have give him two players to allow regardless of academic standards, and they said no. So um, I think he sees the blueprint that Nick Saban made, and if you want to save, if you want to save your reputation, come on back to a Catholic university and talk about forgiveness effort and build a championship. There you go. Ryan, really strong spot. We appreciate a couple minutes today. Thank you so much. Thanks guys. Go Irish. Boy, I love that at the end. Perfect. The Catholic university and, and uh, the forgiveness tour. <laughs> and that's what they'll lean on. Of course. Like there's, you know, because if they hire urban Meyer, people will come out and say, Hey, this guy's a, he's a crumb. You know, as they called Brian Kelly, they, they have one crumb move on. They bring in another one. Urban Meyer's left, uh, I wouldn't say disastrous situations, but embarrassing situations off the field behind him in Columbus and Gainesville. But, you know, Notre Dame, just like everyone else, is about winning. And if I were Urban Meyer this time, I'd be like, I want five guys each year that don't qualify academically. Not two. I want five. He doesn't have to say a word. It's going to be his <laughs> wife at the press conference, right? Uh, his wife's the one making sure that nobody casts stones at Pope Urban. So why don't they just skip him at the press conference, have his wife get up there and say, does anyone have questions about what my husband did at the bar? Because I don't. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield Company wrapping up here on your Tuesday afternoon. Adam Candy, Adam Hill, Steve Cofield joining from Dallas. Ari, of course, in the Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, we're into the grab bag here. Ari, are, are you gonna are you gonna reach in there for me? Stick your hand in there, Dave. Adam, yes, I have Adam. big news. Okay, are you ready for this? Um, I don't know. It, fina- it finally happened. Is. It finally happened. It finally came. We heard about this forever ago. It was before 30. It was after 25. It was after 21. It was after 19. Adele is coming to Las Vegas for a residency. Yes. Team <laughs> outfit. Oh, oh, Steve Cofield's in. I, I know who's coming on the team outing. Steve Cofield's in. Ari's a music lover. Oh, Ari gives the thumbs up. He's in. Adam, are you ready to cry your eyes out with us at Adele? I think I'm out. Okay, let me try again. Adam, what if we bought your ticket? What if we bought your ticket? (laughs) Okay, sure. Are you going to Adele with us? Sure. Okay, because what what I'm ready to do, guys, is I am ready to ball my eyes out. I am ready to think about all my love lost. I'm ready to think about how Rich Paul is 
ruling the earth right now <laughs> with his girlfriend Adele. And then I'm ready to hear about some sad, sad love. I want to do this, guys. I want to do this together. I want to do this with the with the boys that I love, <laughs> with my boys. guys that I love. Wow. Something Adele's never even thought about singing about. I want to do this with you people. I have with you people. Listen, I have, I, I have a good friend. Uh, he's coming out here for his bachelor party in a couple of weeks. Should I try to buy tickets for everyone? <laughs> you couldn't even get through it. You couldn't even finish the sentence. You don't think it's a good bachelor party outing? I think that it is something that will make all the guys at the bachelor party call their girlfriends immediately <laughs> okay. after they're done. Their wives are all going to be on the phone, and it's going to be a bunch of guys calling like, baby, I'm sorry. And they'll be like, for what? They're like, I just saw Adele, and I just, I miss you. I just, I miss you. Right, so you're saying don't do that for a bachelor party. <laughs> <laughs> just saying it actually could be kind of a good setup for the bachelor party if you did it like on, like on the first night. And the guys made it all very clear that they love their wives and they love their girlfriends very much. And then when you guys just wake up the next morning and you're like, oh, all right, I'm feeling better. Okay. Let's get it today. Let's get it. Uh, I, I will I will spit. I will kind of make this into an argument that we were having uh, the other day, but I'll, I'll amend it a little bit. If Adele and T-Swift are doing their residency at the same time, which one are you going to? Oh, that's... That's actually not all that hard for me. I, I I will harbor, I will harbor a strong crush for T Swizzle for, for now to forever. Okay. That's, the, that's correct answer. That's what's oh, what yeah, I'm going to. Like, you know my answer, Adam. You're picking Adele. Yes, I am. Wait, but are you choosing musically, or you just you just really like Adele? Or you, I mean, you just hate T Swift is the real thing. Uh, hate's a strong word. She bothers me. Right. She bothers me. <laughs> she bothers me. Eh, we talk once a week, and I just can't stand the way she talks about her family. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So, not to take a complete left turn, but uh, we got to spend, I got to spend the last uh, two hours plus uh, taking my mind off of uh, Ballpark Frank. If you didn't hear, Frank Harnish, this sucks for everyone at Lotus Broadcasting. So it certainly sucks for uh, Frank's family and some of his closest friends. So Frank Harness passed away. Uh, I think it was late last night. Ari, it, it was late last night or earlier this morning. Uh, it was actually the earlier, uh, like, la- sorry, not last, so, like th- yesterday, basically. Yes, sorry. yes. So Ari, on the heels of that, uh, tell me how you feel because you didn't get to say anything earlier. Candy and and Hill. We're talking about ballpark, and we all know, we all know Frank. You know, in different capacities, on air person, off the air. Yeah, um, man, it, it hit today. He's, it, it, to be honest with you, I've been smiling a lot today, thinking about. You know, it's obviously it's really sad, but like we had a really good time, and we had a a very fun and crazy uh, working thing going on for, especially for season one for VGK. That is, that's one of my biggest memories. Just that whole season, everything was thrown together. I mean, literally, we had no idea what to do and. Um, and, and Frank is a character. Uh, he also taught me everything. I don't know much about hockey, but he taught me everything I know. He he made sure to t- he would like point to things and be like, "That's that." And this, and he would explain. And he he was interested in getting me interested into what was you know going to be now a pro team in this in a hockey town soon to be. Uh, but yeah, I just uh, it's tough. I'm still just I've been thinking about it all day, and just I'm not even sure what to say. He was he was he was a special guy. He was very genuine, as Adam said. Uh, and he was funny, and he always had a fun story or something. That he, he had something always to talk about, like, to you. He never, you know, unlike me, he, he could complete a sentence and tell you some, some good stuff.
So I learned well, a lot. Um, I had a great time working with them, and yeah. yeah I'm glad you brought up the hockey part of it because for me, as, as Adam Hill was saying earlier, Frank was not your classic broadcaster. Frank is what a lot of uh, us were, or it was the origins of Sports Talk Radio, and that was Frank was a fan. That's why he was named freaking Ballpark Frank. It's a brilliant – it's a simplistic, but it was a brilliant nickname. Uh, so first off, so he was he's a guy who was a fan. He was not a – you know, a classically trained broadcaster, but that's how a lot of us got into the business. And that's really the origin of this stuff is having fans talk to fans and, you know, the stuff now where we clown on fans and analytics and all that, we're too smart for you. That's all fooey. That was not Frank. If you met Frank, he would talk to you like you were, you know, an absolute equal to him. Can I tell you that some of the stuff I remember about Frank, and it's really sad talking about it because I thought he was going to be cancer. I thought he was going to go on for a lot longer. And when I found out uh, this morning when I woke up, Aria texted me, just, it, you know, hit, hit hard. It just sucks. Um, he was actually a really good athlete. You, know, you saw him now. He's a big guy. He was actually a really good athlete. Um, loved racquetball. Man, I played uh, tennis with him a couple times, and I'm like, Jesus, this big guy with the ground strokes. Like, I was <laughs> running all over the freaking play. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hit back to him, and he's annihilating me. Uh, Adam will probably remember. We had one of our old man triathlons or some sort of athletic outing way back in the day at Jillian's. And I'm watching Frank at Papa Shot, and I'm like, this son of a bitch is great at Papa Shot. I'm like, how is this possible? But, you know, really um, a big Ohio State fan, a massive MMA fan, also kept his, like, the purity of being totally into sports. Like, when you meet uh, athletes, right, he would go out to the, especially, like, the MMA award show, and he would just be over the moon at that. And to bring it full circle, it is so cool that Frank – one of the lone hockey fans in the building. And Frank goes all the way back to like the late 90s, early 2000s when there wasn't all sports radio in Las Vegas until the late 90s. And Frank was on one of the first shows that was doing daily sports talk. As Candy, Candy, you mentioned it earlier, right? Like growing up here, you turn on sports radio, it's just starting. You know, back east, uh, you know, New York, it was like 1987, but then it started spreading across the country. Well, Vegas really didn't get it till like say 96, 97 with all, um, you know, uh, all sports radio. And Frank was one of the voices on the clubhouse. So you don't forget that. So it's uh, it's sad to hear about it. Um, but I do think it's really cool that the hockey fan in the building for years and years and years actually got the freaking anchor the coverage of our first major league organization. It's quite fitting. I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah, and I, I, really just, cool. I just want to add it super quick. Uh, yep. he, he really, if we all know Frank, he was very stubborn in a good way. He fought his butt off the whole time uh, I was in communication with him. He, he, he did everything that, you know, is uncomfortable stuff, too. So I just want to really give him the salute for that, too, because he never gave up. And I can tell you, I, I don't know if he ever told you guys, but uh, he was quick, and it happened a lot, to compliment us on this show. Like, he would come up to me, and he's like, man, I was listening the other day, and he's, man, he's like, that big five is so good. So what a good compliment from a guy who – you know, had been in the Vegas market before I was. He carried this station, which has been a bunch of different stations over time. You know, that, like I said, that the uh, clubhouse show was kind of the standard bear to start off all sports radio here in Las Vegas. So very cool. Rest in peace, ballpark. We'll try to um, line up a guest spot. We'll talk about uh, Frank a little bit more. He deserves a lot more than just a couple of minutes of thoughts on, on the day that he passes. 